everybody, and welcome to Vanderpump Rules Party. I'm Holly Borges. I'm Sarah C. And ooh, ooh, we've got an emergency pod. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yes. Um, first, we want to um, let everyone know we were given four free tickets to see Tom Sandoval and the most extras in Aguirre Hills, north of LA on July 23rd. So if you'd like to enter to win tickets, you can email us, Party at gmail.com, or you can DM us in the Facebook group, Vanderpump Rules Party, or um, on Instagram, Vanderpump Rules Party. So just hit us up and we'll enter you to win, and hopefully you can come party with us. We will be there, and we'd love to hang out with you and meet you. So we have a more, the more the merrier to dance to. Absolutely. Cool. So our old Randy back in the bucket of hot water. Yeah. Ooh, it is hot. Hot water. Steaming hot. I love that 50 Fofty posted it too. Yes. Okay, so you guys, this morning an article came out um, in the LA Times and um, someone sent it to us, you know, first thing and like I was like, it was you had to have a subscription for the LA Times. So I was like, shoot! And then, um, thank goodness, someone, um, you know, has a subscription and we were able to read it. So, just in case you have not been able to read it, what Sarah and I have talked about doing and what we're going to do is we are literally going to read it page by page and then take a break at each page and discuss what's in there. So that way, you know, if you want to go for a walk and not, like, it's very long. Like, Sarah... Sarah texted me like she's like I can't read this I sat there like today I had like a psycho day I just Ronnie just had opening night for 13 the musical I just got home I'm doing the spotlight for the show like running the lights and I'm literally in so much like my body is in so much pain from doing a spotlight like (laughs) this shows the type of shape that I'm in so um yeah yeah she texted me this morning dying can't believe it and I'm like waking up like wait what and so I'm trying to read it and then I realize it's just too long for my phone it felt like 900 pages and I'm like and too small so I'm like let me let me go read it on my computer yeah like I kept on trying to like put it down or whatever but every sentence was like so good that I was like it just kept getting it was like more and more and I'm like I was dying so both of my kids are like mom 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 and I'm like literally like don't (laughs) talk to me I'm like this is breaking news Vanderpump rules this is mommy's job go in the other room and so like they were in there for a long time because it's so long um yeah she was like do you want a podcast she goes I have to leave but I, I think we could crank it out really fast I'm like I can't like it's gonna take me a while to read this and she's like okay how about we read it for 15 minutes and then we'll podcast I'm like okay and then I saw like minute 11 ticking by and I'm like on page two and I'm like, there's just no way. Well, and there's then, no way. and then I, I just thought like, we are going to do like, I don't, I feel like I want to give a shout out to the author of the article, Amy Kaufman and Meg James, and just say like, I want to read the work that they put into this because for us to recap, it would be like so crappy because they literally did such a good job of researching this and getting all the details in there that I feel like we need to just like 
checking receipts. Yes. Like we just need to bank statements, all sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. So the last thing was um, Holly went about her day and I texted her like two hours later and I'm like, FYI, I'm still reading. (laughs) (laughs) I saw so many things where people were like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't read it. Someone recap it. And then I saw like, you know, they were just giving like tiny little snippets and I was like, no, that's the feeling of this article is just like, it's literally a slam dunk on Randall. Like he, it's done. It's over. Um, they li- they could have like a, a Hulu special on him. Like it's it's that yeah. good. That last article, I think it was also by the LA Times, but the geezer teasers, that was a long one too, but this yes. is much more detailed. And I also want to shout out, like there has been some inside sources that are longtime listeners of our podcast and our trusted friends that have told us, DM'd us, told us and said Look, we are, you know, we work in Hollywood. We're, and they, they told us that this was happening. And I, I think we all knew, but it's, um, and it's the crazy. The cause of this, after all of that happened with Weinstein and all the aftermath of that, that he continued on, like, thinking he's untouchable. You know, I, mean, I was I, I started I started thinking about, well, let's, we'll get into it and then I, I'll say okay. my thoughts, but I just feel like, I, I think that this behavior that that you can see it's like a pattern like it just repeats and repeats in this article and I like feel like a major addiction to that like Randall is addicted to the game that he plays and that's what he's good at and that's what like he's not gonna stop yeah okay so let's you want like we'll each take a page I'll start and then you do the next one is that cool sure sure Okay, so the article, you guys, is called The Man Who Played Hollywood Inside Randall Embitt's Crumbling Empire. Um, So here we go. Randall Emmett was fuming. It was the producer's first time in the director's chair, and things weren't going well. For the last half hour on the set of Midnight in the Switchgrass, the filmmaker and his colleagues had been trying to persuade Bruce Willis to kick open a door. A voice coming through the actor's earpiece coached him through his lines. A stunt coordinator gently attempted to guide him, yet, take after take, Willis did not seem to understand, according to seven crew members who were present for the late-night shoot. Emmett rose from behind the video monitor and mimed the actions, urging Willis to emulate him. When the effort failed, the director left the set left the the set in frustration three of the crew members said did I do something wrong Willis asked searching the concerned faces of the below the line team that night Emmett then fiance Lala Kent and Emmett called said Emmett called her crying I can't do this anymore Kent recalled him saying in a call overheard by two other people it's just so sad Bruce can't remember any of his lines he doesn't know where he is but in the 15 months after filming Midnight in the Switchgrass, Emmett made five more movies with Willis. Emmett, in a statement to the Times, denied the conversation with Kent occurred or that he was aware, quote, of any decline in Mr. Willis's health, end quote. On the day it 
On that day, in September 2020, few outside the insular world of the low-budget action filming knew Willis was battling a condition that made it difficult for him to understand or express speech. But as the Times previously reported, it was an open secret on the movie set. Our stunt coordinator mentioned he was struggling, said Alicia Haverland, a property master on Midnight in the Switchgrass. Our first AD saw him struggling. You would have to be blind to not see him struggling. In March, his family announced he had been diagnosed with, how do you say that, aphasia? And was ending his career. Willis Willis's enduring appeal had helped propel Emmett's production company, Emmett Furla Oasis, to success. The 51-year-old producer used the Willis name and face to sell his films around the world. Since 2006, the actor appeared in two dozen of the firm's projects, and the pace of the output heightened as Willis's health declined. For years, Emmett had flourished on the margins of Hollywood, producing films that featured cameos from big-name stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, and often went straight to DVD. But by 2019, he was flirting with Hollywood glory. He'd produced a couple of genuine blockbusters and was in line to claim an Academy Award as one of the producers of Martin Scorsese's Oscar contender, The Irishman. He had easy access to private jets, friendly contacts at gossip site TMZ, and a Los Angeles Police Department officer who described himself as Emmett's business and security manager. Okay, so that was page one, you guys. So, right off the bat, like, the first thing, the first, this, so I started reading this, and I was just like, the, the Bruce Willis thing is just rough to read. Yeah, it's sad, and it's clear he knew, and I'm sure all of those people on set knew he knew, and you also don't he made five you know five more films you don't see any deterioration but all of a sudden his family just said now like hey come on it's yeah he's just exploiting them yeah um and it's just i don't know it's just weird how people double down too it's like yeah I don't know, like, couldn't you maybe, like, be, like, have, like, a PR person and, like, coach maybe, like, a different angle to take and be, like, you know, yes, we we did notice some things, but we're just so happy we got, he really wanted to continue working, and we were happy to support him in that. You know, like, I don't know, like, just, like, the, the, the denial is just, it feels yucky. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I guess the next... A year later, the walls were closing in. A review of hundreds of court filings and internal company records, as well as interviews with three dozen former associates, depicts an empire that is crumbling. The once high-flying producer faces lawsuits and mounting debts, as well as allegations of abuse against women, assistants, business partners. Um, He's accused of inappropriate behavior with women, including offering acting work in exchange for sexual favors, and of forcing assistance to conduct dangerous and illegal activity on his behalf. (laughs) Sniff, sniff, Jax. Um, Through his spokeswoman, Sally Hoffmeister, Emmett denied these allegations. She comes um, in this article a lot. Okay, Emmett used an array of tactics to try and keep these allegations secret, including entering into non-disclosure agreements. Hmm, Sound familiar? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
and alleging promising a payment of about $200,000 to a female accuser, which Emmett has denied. Emmett and his company now are confronting nearly a dozen lawsuits, including several from former financiers, an insurance company, and a prior landlord, all clamoring to be repaid their position of more than $25 million in outstanding loans and disputed payments. Several lawsuits accuse Emmett's company of misrepresentation and civil fraud. The Writers Guild of America West won a $541,464 judgment against EFEO, that's Emmett Furlow Oasis, that's the Emmett Furlow Productions. Um, last year, after it filed a claim on behalf of writers who alleged they were shortchanged for their work on an Emmett project. Um, in quotes, his normal mode of business is being sketchy, said Teresa Hoang. Hoang? A writer on that project he just spins all these plates in the air and doesn't care how they crash huh. in a statement Ed, Emmett rejected Huang's assessment and blamed the allegations contained in this story on Kent a reality TV star with whom he has a child quote these allegations are false and part of a now familiar smear campaign orchestrated by Randall's ex-fiance to sway their custody dispute said Hoffmeister. That's his rep that's speaking on his behalf throughout this article. Emmett and Kent, a cast member on Bravo's Vanderpump Rules, currently share custody of their child. Willis's attorney, Martin Singer, declined an interview request on the actor's behalf. My client, can, quote, my client continued working after his medical diagnosis because he wanted to work and was able to do so, just like many others diagnosed with aphasia who are capable of continuing to work. Singer wrote, because Mr. Willis appeared in those films, they could get financed. That resulted in literally thousands of people having jobs, many during the COVID-19 pandemic, end quote. In a town that is home to creative geniuses as well as quick buck hustlers, Emmett occupies a lucrative niche in between. He's made more than 120 movies, most of which have been critically panned. His specialty is cranking out low-budget, high-testosterone, assault, gun, and explosion films and recruiting stars such as Willis, Stallone, Mel Gibson, and other older white men whose enduring cachet has lured investors and generated overseas sales. While he isn't among the, the few movie producers who are recognizable by name, Kevin Fage, Jerry Bruckheimer, Megan Ellison, Emmett had just enough success to attract young, young women, aspiring actors, ambitious assistants, deep-pocketed investors, and even big-name stars seduced by the promise of fame, fortune, or both. With his trademark 5 o'clock shadow, black t-shirt, <laughs> no, cargo shorts, and white shell-toe Adidas sneakers... Emmett has worked overtime to hone his image as a Hollywood tough guy, a wheeler and dealer, high stakes poker player who beats the house. <laughs> his parents sold insurance in his native Miami, but as a child, Emmett yearned to be in entertainment. In eighth grade, he began, began acting in TV commercials, but was mocked by being a goofy kid who was interested in the arts. After graduating from Miami's prestigious New World School of Arts, he went to college in New York on an acting scholarship. That's surprising. Mm-hmm. Everyone else at film school wanted to be a writer. Okay. Everyone else at film school wanted to be a writer or a director or actor. Emmett told the Times in 2012, I was the only one who wanted to be a producer. <laughs> after, 
graduation in 1994, he moved to Los Angeles. He landed a coveted internship with his distant cousin, Bruckheimer. Oh. The blockbuster movie producer behind Top Gun and Pirates of the Caribbean. And then became an assistant at International Creative Management Talent Agency. At 24, he got a job as Mark Wahlberg's assistant, a gig that became central to Emmett's origin story and the foundation of his career. In the actor-producer, he had a role model and a foil. In 2012, Wahlberg told the Times that Emmett once challenged him to a wrestling match. Um, I had to blow a body slam him, then he wanted it again. Ooh. Wahlberg's manager said he could not be reached for comment. Of course not, because Mark Wahlberg has never commented on Randall Emmett. Oh my gosh. So I found that part super interesting hearing his background, you know, that he was into theater and even went to school, went to a specialized school for it, and then, you know, on to college and everything. I feel like that, like, explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was as Wahlberg's assist- assistant that Emmett began cultivating the kind of cool that HBO's Entourage, a show produced by Wahlberg and based loosely on his rise, showcased more than a decade ago. Indeed, Emmett claims to have helped inspire the show's weed dealing driver, Turtle. Multiple reports have noted that the character was actually based on another one of Wahlberg's assistants. Throughout his decades in Hollywood, Emmett, like the guys on the series, would flaunt luxury cars and expensive real estate, date a bevy of younger women, and party at roped-off clubs. Emmett found his first loyal investor, George Furla, a former stock trader and hedge fund manager who'd put some money into a modeling agency and surprised Emmett by backing his 1999 buddy drama Speedway Junkie with $30,000. The pair founded... Sorry. uh, The pair founded Emma Furla Films. Furla, who declined interview requests, handled the finance while Emmett became the self-described, quote, loud and obnoxious frontman. If you throw Randy out the door... He comes in the window, Emmett's film-producing mentor Avi Lemmer told the Times in 2012. If you throw him through the window, he comes down the chimney. Emmett's trademark films dubbed Geezer Teasers in 2021 New York Times Magazine article that called Emmett Hollywood's worst filmmaker mind the box office appeal of Hollywood heroes of an of a earlier era. On a recent YouTube broadcast, he kidded that he isn't a B or C level producer, more like H level. For a lot of people in Hollywood, Randall is the person who can help you get a movie done, said Michael Polish, who, was, who directed three Emmett films. He gives people their chance and not a lot of people in Hollywood will do that. Emmett's drive and results attracted a large investment from Dubai-based Oasis Ventures, which in 2013 acquired one-third stake, renaming it Emma Furla Oasis. Hollywood took notice of Emmett and Furla that year. Universal Pictures released The First Lone Survivor, which was written and directed by Pete Berg and based 
on a real-life story of Navy SEALs conducting a failed military operation in Afghanistan. The film, which starred Wahlberg, was praised by critics and raked in $155 million worldwide. It gave Emmett newfound credibility after years of producing mediocre fare like Mercenary for Justice with Steven Seagal. Suddenly, Emmett could attract big stars and hungry investors. His Instagram account shouted his ambition, at Randall Mogul. Emmett also became an unlikely savior that year for one of the industry's greatest filmmakers. Martin Scorsese had tried for 15 years to secure financing for a project about Portuguese... uh, How do you say that word? Jesuit. Jesuit priests of the 17th century investigating Catholic persecution. None of the studios would touch silence but after a call from Scorsese's super agent Ari Emanuel of WME Emmett jumped at the chance during the first meeting with Scorsese he was perspiring and hyperventilating Emmett recalled during a 2014 conversation with students at New York School of Visual Arts and I went in the room and he said why should I make why should I make movies with you I said Because you're the man, and I'll do whatever the F you say, basically. He's like, I love this kid, and all right, give him the movie. Emmett and Furla reportedly raised half of the $46.5 million budget for the film featuring Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield, which the Times described as a masterwork of spiritual inquiry. In exchange for backing silence, Emmett earned a producing credit and eventually an Oscar nomination on Scorsese's next film, the brooding 2019 mob epic, The Irishman, for Netflix. Scorsese's publicist said the director was unavailable for comment. Even though he's been nominated for an Oscar, Emmett may be best known for appearing on a reality television uh, as Kent's fiancé and then and then ex-fiancé on the last two seasons of Vanderpump Rules. On the Bravo show, Emmett projected the image of a Hollywood power broker who drove a Rolls-Royce convertible and lived on Mulholland Drive. Kent told friends that he'd offered to give her a Range Rover the morning after she, quote, let him hit it for the first time in 2015. I mean, more than offered, he did. <laughs> Yes. Well, he he regifted it from another person. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that it says because um, he raised that money, he was given a producer credit on the Irishman. Like, here you go. Like, you really he didn't have anything to do with the film, but you know they just throw away credits like that. It just like because he does buy his a lot of his credits too. Yeah, and like he always kind of came off like he was all like like, well it's like uh, he's always trying to fit in you can tell and like it's just sad to like actually hear like the facts broken down like this and how you know like he's just like they said like throwing all these plates up in the air trying to make it work and you know shit goes wrong yep okay so back to um Emmett and Kent. The couple were together for nearly six years and had a daughter before their relationship imploded. Last fall, one of Kent's fellow cast members alerted her that pictures of Emmett exiting an elevator with two young women taken by an onlooker in Nashville were circulating online. Asked about the images, Hoffmeister said, Randall enjoys socializing with friends. 
In Nashville, he was hanging out with a large group of people, men and women. Within hours of the photo leak, Emmett was back in L.A. where Kent demanded that he share the contents of his phone. When he refused, she grabbed the phone away from him. He ran after me, tackled me, and knocked me to the ground, Kent said, echoing claims that she made in her request for custody of their daughter. I used every ounce of strength to get him off of me as he was trying to pry up from my hands. That was when I knew for sure that there was a lot he was hiding. The Times spoke with five people who confirmed Kent told them about Emmett tackling her to the ground within days or weeks of the altercation. Emmett, however, denied a physical fight occurred. His team provided the Times with a declaration from his longtime nanny, Isabel Morales, who said that neither was on the ground. I witnessed Randall and Lala fighting over his phone, Morales says. The only physical interaction I saw was Randall taking back his phone from Lala. Kent sought to keep her name in the press and remain relevant in reality television, Hoffmeister said in the statement. Okay. Emmett had a good reason to protect the iPhone. It was a keeper of his secrets, the tool he is accused of using to send lewd text messages to women, hunt for sexual prospects on Instagram, and email his lawyer about wiring money to women in exchange for their silence. Through interviews and reviewing previously confidential documents, the Times has learned that several women have accused Emmett of pursuing them in inappropriate ways. One alleged she was offered acting work in exchange for sex, even as Hollywood began to reconsider the way its powerful men treated women. One woman, and that's true, we've heard things for years that went back years. Yes. One woman who declined to be named for fear of retribution, smart, said that she was leaving a bar around midnight in 2014 when when a Rolls Royce pulled up beside her on Ventura Boulevard and a man she had never met rolled down the window. It was Emmett. Hey, I'm not a creep, I promise. I'm a movie producer. You can Google me. Please, Google me. She said he implored, um, implored to Google him. The Times spoke with a friend of the woman who said her friend shared this account but Emmett denied the incident occurred. Another aspiring performer was just 23 with a few minor TV credits to her name when she met Emmett. The producer, then making a string of movies with rap star Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, introduced himself to her as a well-known established movie producer, according to a letter written to Emmett by attorney Gloria Allred. Allred's letter, which the Times reviewed, was dated October 5th, 2021, and sent to Emmett via FedEx and email. In it, Allred alleges that the producer explicitly told the woman who declined to make her name public that to receive acting work from him, she would have to perform sexual favors. The letter then cites a text exchange in which Allred's client asked Emmett if she role she'd auditioned for in one of his projects. Yes, one day of work, and you need to fuck me now, hon, Emmett responded, according to the letter. Hoffmeister confirmed that M- Emmett did receive the letter, but he, but said he adamantly denies the allegations in it. Allred declined requests for comment. Over the next three years, Allred's client had minor roles in two more Emmett films. During this period, Allred's letter alleges the woman gave Emmett massages and oral oral sex allowed him to digitally 
penetrate her and stood nude in his office while he masturbated. Harry Weinstein-esque of him. Mm-hmm. She complied with Emmett's request, the letter says, because she was seeking to further her career and did not want to anger an important producer in the industry. Whenever Allred's client rebuffed Emmett's advances, she said he told her he would not give her the roles that they had discussed. Uh, yeah, so like Sarah mentioned, like we have heard these rumors about things that happened and... Um, really we could never get any like it was very well hidden I feel like um, so I'm happy to, to see that some of this stuff is coming to light and coming public because um, well he likes to threaten and, mm-hmm. and he did that to Lala too he likes to threaten and he likes to buy people off their silence um, or these like you know, I, allegedly like, well it, yeah and like the, the nanny testifying for him seems really shady too <laughs> well and long time nanny okay so she's the nanny of three children he's employed her forever like i'm sure she doesn't want to get into it with a big time hollywood you know what i mean yeah she's scared yeah she saw what he did to amber (laughs) so uh okay well and and like his behavior is he constantly asks people to do this for him you know to cover for him yeah okay the incidents caused her to feel a deep sense of self-loathing and self-hatred that led her to seek weekly therapy beginning in 2016. Allred, Allred said, the lawyer went on to invite Emmett to engage in a... Oh, gosh. This is giving me, like, major anxiety reading this out loud, by the way. Expeditious, confidential mediation process to avoid civil litigation. On January 2nd, 2022, Emmett was sent a settlement agreement that stipulated he would pay Allred's client about $200,000 over the course of two years. A person familiar with the situation said Emmett printed, signed, and scanned that agreement, although he denied doing so. Um, just really quick. So when something like this comes out, like they keep kind of referencing either like he confirms or denies something. So do they call him before and they're like, listen, this is what we're going with. Like, do you want to confirm or deny, deny these things? Yeah. Or comment. I'm sure that, um, you know, he's speaking through Hoffmeister. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. He died. Just two months after finalizing the settlement, Emmett sent an unsolicited unsolicited Instagram message to a 30-year-old woman in Las Vegas who f- whose feed featured dozens of photos of herself and her boyfriend. This woman told the Times that Emmett, whom she'd never met, messaged her from his account using the social media's platform vanish mode setting which permanently deletes any texts or pictures after they have been seen by both users according to the to a declaration filed in the custody proceedings and reviewed by the times emmett asked her to f on the dl and do heroin and meth among other things she did not respond and was so alarmed she recounted that she used the camera from her laptop to capture the instagram messages on her phone she included screenshots of those images with her declaration 
Hoffmeister provided proof of a negative drug test Emmett had taken as part of the ongoing custody dispute. He's working hard on his sobriety and very proud that he has stayed clean for almost a year, she said. A person close to Emmett said there was no forensic proof Emmett sent the messages to the Las Vegas woman. Despite being unanswered, Emmett's DMs continued for up to two weeks, the Las Vegas woman said. Then she refused. She received a string of similar WhatsApp messages from an unknown number. She reached out to a friend who knew a, quote, Vanderpump Rules cast member and confirmed that the unknown number matched Emmett's. She said she blocked his number. I was shocked, concerned, and afraid because Randall is a stranger to me, the woman wrote of Emmett's behavior in the court document. His persistence despite my never responding to a single message from him is frightening. Emmett paid women to sign non-disclosure agreements or NDAs requiring them to keep mum about his intimate relationships. He tried to get Kent to sign one early in their relationship, his ex-fiance told the Times. In the summer of 2016, she was about to start filming the fifth season of Vanderpump Rules, and producers wanted to include her boyfriend on the show. But their romance was a delicate subject. Emmett was still legally married to Amber Childers, though he told Kent that they were separated. To figure out how to handle this subject on television, Kent said Emmett suggested that she meet with one of his attorneys, Keith Davidson, who once represented Stormy Daniels in her legal battle against Donald Trump. Kent brought her mother, Lisa Burningham, along to the attorney's Wilshire Boulevard office for one of their meetings. Inside, Kent said Davidson put a stack of papers in front of the the woman, an agreement stating that Kent would receive $14,000 in exchange for keeping her relationship with Emmett a secret. I said, we're done, Birmingham recalled, and she and her daughter left the office. Davidson, yeah. Davidson, in response to the Times, said attorney-client privilege prevented him from discussing the matter. A person close to Emmett said the account was inaccurate but did not provide any details. Kent and her mother said she did not take the $14,000 offer, and Kent ended their relationship with the producer. But after his divorce with Childers was finalized in December 2017, Emmett and Kent re-entered a serious relationship. They remained a couple until she learned of his alleged infidelity following the Nashville incident in October 2021. After those photos photos of Emmett with the other women surfaced, Kent said she was suddenly bombarded with messages. Several individuals claimed that a Florida model had been having an affair with Emmett and Kent checked out the Florida woman's accounts. Yeah, I'm glad Whew. she brought her mom with her. Um, that was smart. Yes. Yeah, I, All right. I, and I love that her mom was like, no. <clears throat> 14,000, so random. Yeah. Um, okay, so when the woman noticed that Kent had viewed her Instagram story, she called Emmett on November 28th and recorded the conversation without his knowledge, which, by the way, is illegal in Florida. So it's like California. You can't record someone without their knowledge. Much like the Faith and Jax tapes, that's why you can't hear those because it's not legal. But it this, was it was obviously smart though because they can still say recorded without without yeah. knowledge, you know. Yeah. Get the proof, girl. Yeah, the Times reviewed the recording in which the woman fretted that Kent obviously has a lot of details 
if she knows my Instagram account. So she's basically confirming that. Yes. There's no evidence of us ever having hooked up, Emmett responded. I want you to say if she ever tries to get to you, you can say, hey, I dated his assistant. Ugh. Yeah. Later that day, the Florida woman texted a friend saying she was trying to figure out a way to leverage the whole situation to get money in exchange for my silence. The Times reviewed the messages. I should say something like a tabloid came to me with a certain amount of money and they found proof of some sort. Within hours, the Florida woman texted her friend that Emmett had offered her as much as $20,000 and said she would be reviewing a legal document from him regarding the payment the following day. He had already sent her $3,000 for no reason a few minutes ago, the Florida woman texted. The Times could not determine whether Emmett or his associates made the payments to the Florida woman. Hoffmeister declined to answer the Times inquiries about this woman who did not return requests for comment. Well, that's interesting. She declined to comment on this probably because she knows there's proof. Um, Roughly a week later, Kent subpoenaed the Florida woman in her custody battle with Emmett, (laughs) requesting all text messages between the two. But according to a December 22nd text to her friend, the Florida woman had signed an NDA agreement or signed an agreement with Emmett saying she wouldn't show any of her messages in exchange for a bunch of stuff from Randall, she wrote. A Range Rover? Yeah. A woman named Grace McCarthy also signed non-disclosure agreements with Emmett. In May, the Times reviewed emails referencing payments from Emmett to McCarthy. She made various allegations about Emmett in an interview and said she had signed several NDAs at Emmett's behest, behest, I guess would be like request, between 2015 and 2019. She sent two of these purported agreements to the Times, one for $2,700 and another for $7,500. Asked to respond to McCarthy's allegations, Emmett's lawyer provided a declaration in which McCarthy retracted her statements to the Times, saying that she told a bunch of lies to paint the worst possible picture of Randall. It's crazy! Yeah. Emmett's team also provided a sworn statement from one of McCarthy's friends, Samantha Rakel, claiming that she too had lied to a Times reporter. In McCarthy's initial interview with the Times, she'd alleged that Randall, I mean, that Emmett had mistreated Rachel, her friend. Yes. I want to tell the truth before my statements are published in the paper, Rachel wrote in the declaration sent by Emmett's team. Because I allowed myself to be manipulated by Lala, I lied to Amy Kaufman, who is the writer of this article, to make Randall look abusive. But neither Kaufman nor any Times reporter had ever interviewed Rachel. So that, how can you lie to Kaufman if Kaufman never spoke to you? Right. (laughs) Right? So, Hmm. within his inner circle, Emmett commanded grudging respect. Some former subordinates marveled at his hustle and salesmanship. His partner, Furla, once described Emmett as the Tasmanian devil. Working for Emmett had a certain Hollywood appeal at first, 
The producer appeared to relish the role of demanding boss who shouts to a harried assistant, Get Ari Emanuel on the phone! But Emmett's subordinates also found his behavior alarming. Former employees described him as emotional and volatile. Anna Szymanska, who worked as Emmett's assistant for about a year before resigning in February. So if you go back and hear those old podcasts with Lala and Randall, she was on. Because I remember she was on with Jess. So I kind of want to go back and listen to those. Yeah. But anyways, um, she once recalled an incident last year after she beat Emmett in a game of ping pong. Emmett threw the paddle so hard at a door in the office that the glass cracked. Mm. Ping pong. I was terrified, but I felt like I couldn't show my fear because I had to be better than that, said Sismanska, now 24. She provided the Times with a photo of the broken glass, as well as a June 2021 invoice documenting a nearly $800 charge to replace it. Hoffmeister told the Times that Randall never threw a paddle, <laughs> but then provided a sworn declaration from one of Emmett's employees acknowledging the incident occurred. Randall lost to Anna and threw a paddle. We were all laughing about it, including her. Sean Stone, Emmett's assistant turned executive, said in the document. Oh, my gosh. So I, I, I just feel like we're starting to see a pattern of him, like, needing to prove that, be like, tell him, tell him, tell him that's not true. Do a f- yeah. sworn statement. Buying, bribing, threatening, rewarding, punishing do what I say and or else yeah okay here we go you guys page seven we're getting there we're almost halfway there numerous former assistants said Emmett demanded 24 7 assistants frequently called them disparaging names and asked them to transport drugs deliver payments to women and put large expenses on their personal credit cards most of Emmett's staff were men several assistants were said they were instructed by Emmett's former lieutenants to avoid selecting women for internships and other positions. One said the reason was, quote, to protect them from Randall. In the Wilshire Boulevard office, where framed photos of a nude Marilyn Monroe decorated the walls, bro culture prevailed, several assistants said. Sismanska said in an interview that her boss told her he didn't like working with women because he felt they weren't emotionally strong. Emmett denied that allegation. One night in July 2021, she said he summoned her to his house for an urgent errand around 10 p.m. His blood pressure was low, he said, and he needed coconut water and muscle milk to raise his sodium levels. It's called DoorDash. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Drinks in tow, Samanska arrived at Emmett's house about an hour later to find her boss fully visible through the glass entry of his home, lying naked on a couch. I became extremely uncomfortable and disturbed, she wrote in a declaration filed in the custody proceeding. When I entered, Randall nonchalantly grabbed a pillow to cover his penis. Three months later, she recounted the experience over Facebook Messenger while venting about her job to a friend from her native Poland. In the messages, which the Times translated from Polish, Samanska wrote that she was had been harassed sexually, mentally, physically, psychologically during her six months on the job, including when she saw Emmett lying on the couch naked. She'd also been subjected to seeing him urinate with the door open 
and he has his back hair shaved in the office Ugh. on the carpet. Ugh. Ugh. She okay, wrote in messages. <laughs> Hoffmeister denied these allegations and said Emmett only urinated with the door open when taking a drug test, a requirement in the custody dispute, and never intended for anyone other than the drug tester to witness him in the bathroom. She also questioned Samanska's credibility, citing a declaration the former assistant gave in support of Emmett's custody request in January. Sismanska said that she made the earlier declaration because Emmett was hounding her about it for months. I was scared about my immigration status because I needed the job to keep my visa, so I felt obligated, she said. He gave me a talk where he told me what to say about say about what a good dad he was. Hoffmeister said Emmett did not pressure Anna or suggest topics to cover in her declaration. Nearly three months later, after she left EFO, Sismanska provided a second declaration, this one in the support of Kent, because she felt, quote, compelled to share her, quote, concerns about what his children are exposed to, are exposed to when left with him for long periods of time. Several of Emmett's four, former subordinates said they went into debt trying to place Kate, the producer. He asked interns and assistants to cover his expenses, thousands of dollars in charges, with their own personal credit cards. A person close to Emmett said that the expenses incurred by assistants for Randall's personal life, in addition to corporate expenses, were reimbursed. About a month into his job at EFO, Martin Jablay was directed by EFO by an EFO executive to send Emmett's poker chips and his custom poker table to Puerto Rico the following day, according to a text exchange reviewed by the Times. The table weighed 100 pounds, so Jablay and the intern called FedEx Freight, and Jablay put the $1,250 charge on his personal card. The Times reviewed the receipt, bank charge, and photo of the package. A person close to Emmett said Jablay was reimbursed. The former assistant said... He then hopped on a flight to Puerto Rico and set up the table. Shortly after its arrival, Emmett sent Jablay another and another assistant to his $1,300 a night suite in Dorado Beach, Ritz-Carlton to retrieve an item from the room safe. When the combination didn't work, Jablay said he summoned the hotel staff. A security team comes in and they open the safe and they all just turn away, Jablay said. I look in and see a big bag of cocaine. Jablay was petrified by the prospect of being caught with drugs. Um, we might as well just finish the next um, statement of what he said. Okay. I was in shock and disbelief, he said, noting that as a black man, he felt he was being put in an at, put at an unacceptable risk. We had a 30-minute car ride where I was constantly paranoid about getting pulled over by the cops. A second former assistant who accompanied Jablay that night corroborated the account, saying the drugs looked bricked up like they were off a cocaine kilo. I'd seen Randall do lines off of poker table at the Sundance Film Festival a month before, the assistant said. And while we were in Puerto Rico, Randall had me carry his drugs around in my sock during a night out and pull them out for him whenever he got whenever he got to a casino. He offered me some, but I said no. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, first of all, he knows his assistant, Anna, is coming over late at night. Put a towel on, put some boxers on. That was, he was doing that on purpose. There's no way around it. And also, you're going to call DoorDash, right? Um, second of all, huge, major, disgusting gag reflex and his gross back hair on the carpet in the office. Yes. Um, and then I have a question on the drug test. Oh, he, he just went to the bathroom with the door open because he was taking his drug test. Well, where was he? You don't take a drug test at home. Like or in the office, like you have to go somewhere and have like an official person do it. I could, I could see Randall having them come to him. You know, he would probably do that. Okay, have because yeah, there's got to be an official there. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's like such a ridiculous excuse. I'm, I guarantee, like he seems like a door open sort of like bathroom user because he loves to like talk. You know. And they should really do blood tests with him because it's very easy to have a little bag of fake pee. Totally. On the side of his dick. I've yeah. heard the stories. Yes. <sighs> All right. Hoffmeister declined to comment on the 2020 allegation or discuss the alleged past drug use, but emphasized that Emmett has been sober since October 2021. Okay. Okay. Uh, entertainment industry assistants who for decades have worked long hours with little pay have in recent years demanded improved working conditions inspiring a twitter hashtag pay up hollywood the times spoke with 10 former assistants several said they were grappling with the lingering emotional toll of working for emmett some said they experienced severe depression prescription drug use and bouts of heavy drinking randall was just different from Randall was different from being just a mean boss. He made people do dangerous things and illegal things, Jablay said in May. You had to be his punching bag and his mule. Jablay joined EFO in February 2020 when he was 26. He figured he would work hard for a year and earn a few movie credits, uh, boosting his fledgling entertainment career. Instead, throughout his nearly eight-month tenure, he said he was excoriated when Emmett's 2018 Rolls Royce got stolen even though Emmett had instructed Jablay to park the car on Mulholland Drive rather than in his driveway according to text messages I could see that makes no sense because we were just there at Randall's place and he has plenty of space in his driveway right yes mm-hmm. and and then plenty of space but just for a party it'd be hard but like he probably set that up himself for insurance fraud well and like where else would you park it except for on that really busy street that would just be out of place yeah that, yeah so that's fishy yes 100 percent. I, I just i just want to just shout out once again to the way this is written like the do you see how it's just packed with little zingers like they're just ripping apart his character like it, it's yeah, like, like this this next line, exactly. Yes, yes. Chablay got blamed when Emmett's goldfish died. <laughs> Text messages show Chablay tried to explain that Emmett's nanny said the fish were fine. Don't care, Emmett texted back. I told you to get to I told you to get doctor. Now my fish is dead. Oh my god. Oh this this other this, okay, this Okay, this, this is my favorite part right here. I guess one of mine too. Jablay also got chewed out for buying Emmett's favorite daily treat, 
a $2.25 Toll House ice cream sandwich <laughs> in bulk from Costco rather than the convenience store next door. Emmett tossed one in the trash saying it wasn't fresh. A person close to Emmett denied these allegations, but a second assistant who was there confirmed the ice cream sandwich incident. I mean, first of all, like, I... I, I, It's frozen. How can it be fresh? It's a Toll House sandwich. I mean... Like, was he going to Sprinkles, the ice cream version, and they make it fresh there, like at Cold Stone or something? But no. I'm I'm horrified that I know what he's talking about. Like, I'm, like, literally... Like, I'm right now blushing because I know (laughs) there is a freshness. Like, there is, like, a fresh Toll House um, ice cream cookie and then, like, a hard one that, like... It's too. It's like it's. It's just. It's not a good consistency. You mean like an off-brand? No, like like it's not fresh. Like exactly what he's saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Odd, but but I don't. But like, like it's freezer burned or something. Like yeah, yes, get freezer yes, burned? yes. Okay. Like, or yeah, they've been stuck at the bottom. Like it, yeah, it's just like sometimes like sometimes they're amazing, and then sometimes it's like ugh. And so it, the fact that he threw it in the trash. You know, he like threw it against the wall and it like smashed all over. And I love that this poor assistant is like, was probably thinking like, dude, I'm going to think like smarter. I'm going to just buy a box. That way I don't have to run out to the liquor store. I can just grab the sandwich and hand it to him. Like the probably thought he was like doing like such a good job and then boom it gets thrown. <laughs> I mean, since he eats them every day, that would make sense. Right? Like it's very smart. And you wouldn't think that, like, getting a box from Costco would be, like, I'm I'm wondering why, like, he didn't, like, what was wrong with that box? Was it old? Like, what? I think Randall just, I think that looks like bulk, and he likes to be a showman and buy an overpriced single. Like, I used to eat those, like, I feel like in, like, junior high was when, like, I'd have one, like, before baton practice or something, and now... Anytime someone, like, mentions a food, then, like, I get it in my head. Like, I have not stopped thinking about the Toll House um, cookie sandwich since I read this this morning. <laughs> like, the yellow packaging, all of it. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I used to make them homemade. Mm. Um, it's not my, really my jam. I'm more of, like, a Choco Taco girl. Oh, yeah, those are good, too. Um, or, like, a good drumstick. I was buying drumsticks for the kids and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get these little fucking minis without the nuts and the, you know how they have like the ice cream come up instead of like the round ball with the peanuts on them. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get those cause those don't appeal to me at all. Therefore, yeah. I not eat them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. In June, 2020, Jablay was tasked with arranging a romantic stay. Oh God. Oh, Here too. we go. Yeah. This is my next favorite. Chiblay was tasked with arranging a romantic stay for his boss and Kent at the Beverly Hills Hotel. As we know, their favorite go-to place and where she went after she left him initially. Um, Emmett had asked him to decorate a suite with rose petals. So Chiblay rushed to a Melrose Avenue florist, spent $350 for two bags of rose petals. Upon arrival at the hotel, a guest services manager let Chiblay into the room which a second assistant had reserved. Jablay sprinkled the petals around the room and used them to spell Lala on the bed. He left the room key with a concierge and went home. But when Emmett arrived, this is like, so something like I would, 
Yes, you, know, I, you get I, creative when you're. I a was pitch. so triggered by this. <laughs> it's like it's like not returning the rental car on yeah. time because yes. you, you don't want it to go through. Um, okay, he left a room key with concierge. Went home, but when Emmett arrived at the hotel restaurant for a candlelit dinner with Kent, he texted Jablay demanding the room key. Jablay replied <laughs> that it was at the front desk. I can't go to the front desk. Emmett texted. Jablay headed back to the hotel where staff members told him that Emmett needed to physically provide his credit card. Like, technically check in, right? Yes, yes. After he relayed this information to Emmett, the producer responded, Stop! Dude, (laughs) my card is maxed. Handle it. Emmett responded. Forty minutes later, Emmett asked, Martin, where's the key? Fearing he might lose his job, Jablay tried to put the charge more than $1,200 oh. on his debit card, but his bank rejected the transaction. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. I can feel the panic. So Jablay called his mom and begged for money. His mother, Amy Kamara, said she was rattled by the call because it was nearly midnight in Rhode Island. <laughs> But she quickly transferred the money into her son's account because she feared he was in some danger. My God. The Times reviewed a copy of his debit charge rejection and the hotel invoice. I mean, the receipts that they are providing in this thing is just like it crazy. You can't make this shit up. No, and, no. But you don't have to because they, they have the receipts. Yes. Oh, my God. A source close to Emmett said, Martin knew he had always had the option to contact George Furla to cover expenses, including Randall's personal ones. Apparently, Martin did not use this option. Oh, come on. Yeah, this was like, I I have never worked for a Randall, but I worked for someone very close to it. And actually, another person that you and I both know who I would say is like a little Randall-ish too. But, yeah. um... I this triggered me so badly because you're trying to handle it. You think you got everything done. And like um by the way, who spends $350 on rose petals? Like when you can't afford a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. Like is that I mean, like Dollar Tree has little fake ones. Like would Lala have really cared? Like that's a lot of money. Well, can't you go to like Conroy's where they're like 100 roses for 19.99? Yeah, and then like- pluck those things off. You yeah. can still pe- spell Lala. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, and we're trying to problem solve, and you don't, like, oh, yeah, let me call Randall's partner and ask for money for a $1,200 suite, you know? Oh, I, I, that, that poor, poor guy. <laughs> He's trying to dodge checking in. It's so shady. Okay, here we go. So... Jablay, who left after working on Midnight in Switchgrass in September 2020, said he has yet to be fully reimbursed for his expenses. By November 2021, after Hurricane Ida had damaged the roof of his family's home in Rhode Island and Jablay needed money for repairs, he called EFO's former bookkeeper and began liking a series of old text messages he'd sent about the charges to highlight what he'd believed was still owed. Jablay didn't realize that Emmett was also on the text threat. Jablay sought reimbursement as Emmett was dealing with other issues. His former girlfriend Kent was demanding custody of their daughter. 
Allred was pressing for a settlement, and EFO's bank accounts were frozen. Jablay's phone lit up. Martin, if you want $50,000 to produce this movie that starts next week, let me know. He said in the first four voice notes shared with the Times, I'm just sad, man. I really need somebody who could be a friend to me right now. Offended that Emmett was now calling him a friend, Jablay declined the offer. Hoffmeister in the statement said that Jablay, quote, has only recently criticized Randall despite previously speaking about him in glowing terms, even after EFO. Jablay said he had been pleasant because he wanted to leave on good terms. Several former assistants said they grew weary of the alleged abuse of Emmett's semi-regular threats of termination. If you do that again, you're fired, read one typical text. Three former assistants said that they also endured insulting remarks such as, you're a moron. Do something with the zits on your face. You're effing lazy. (laughs) Do something with the zits on your face. Fucking lazy. Do something with the zits on your face. Okay. While on location in Puerto Rico, another former assistant said he was ordered to book an inexpensive hotel room for Emmett and a female companion with his own credit card. The next morning he had me go to the actual go to his actual room at the Ritz Carlton, go into his safe and get eighteen hundred dollars for her, the former assistant recalled. You feel like you have to say yes to everything he says. The subordinate delivered the payment, but apparently made a math error, prompting an irate call from Emmett. He said I overpaid her by $200, he recalled. I said I was sorry, but he said I was fired, told me to get my stuff and find a flight home. Hoffmeister said that Emmett has never fired anyone for mistakenly overpaying a vendor, contractor, or employee, and that this is false and misleading to claim that verbally insulting his assistant is a common practice. Several past assistants said they were also intimidated by the fact that Emmett Emmett had an LAPD officer working for him. In 2019, Emmett hired Eric Halem, a a 34-year-old officer at the West Valley Station as a security consultant through a referral from a, quote, member of a concierge company. Though Halem describes himself in a 2019 email as Emmett's, quote, business and security manager, in an interview he said he had never dealt with the producer's business. I may have used that descriptor as a ruse or something, Halem said to the Times, adding that he obtained work permits for his consulting gigs through the LAPD. He said his responsibilities included running background checks through private investigation uh, through a private investigation firm, mediating disputes, and responding to threatening parties. Once, he said, he also helped orchestrate the arrest of a man who was threatening Emmett with extortion. The man was later convicted. Halem, for his part, described his interaction with Emmett's staff as positive. I never introduced myself to anyone as as an LAPD officer. I always introduced myself as a security consultant, said Halem, who appeared in small roles in Vanderpump Rules and Midnight in Switchgrass. In January 2020, Halem sent an invoice to Emmett noting that he he was to receive a $1,000 tip per Randall for a TMZ video. Asked what the video entailed, Halem responded, I have a lot of clients. I don't recall this specific incident. 
Steve Small, a longtime agent and business affairs executive, joined Emmett's operation last August after knowing the producer for 20 years. In an interview, Small disputed allegations of an abusive environment, saying that, quote, he never saw any unprofessional behavior. Oh, you know what I would have said if I was that person with the zits? I would have said, do something about the zits in your face. I'd be like, do something about your face. Seriously. Zits go away. Your face doesn't. And, and it's like, you, and you can't say that when, like, you have to have, like, your back shaved in the office. <laughs> and member Lala. What? Elsie yes. Said, yes. Yuck. Okay. In a separate statement, Small, who now serves as film and television president of Emmett's new company, uh. Conver- Convergence Entertainment Promotion, said, During my tenure with the company, I have never witnessed any verbal insults from Randall to any employees. Uh. <sighs> he said, Emmett and Furla have filled a niche in Hollywood by providing opportunities for aging stars and movies for their fans. Randall and George are trying to create an opportunity for artists and content creators, actors, writers, and directors in a very challenging environment for independent filmmakers, Small said. And I give these guys credit for that. Emmett and Furla's business model relied heavily on tax credits and paying, that's why they're always in Puerto Rico filming, by the way, and paying millions to aging stars and then pushing their films to foreign markets including the Middle East Russia and Turkey where audiences remained eager to see the American he-men smash bad guys the bigger the name the bigger the foreign pre-sales which meant more investment and more money that everyone, actors, agents, producers could grab according to internal emails Willis' standard fee was $2 million for two days work Actor, actors contract details other actors demanded even more amounts that though not unheard of were unusually high according to Hollywood veterans Al Pacino reaped six million dollars for working up to 19 production days on American Trader the trial of Access Sally in September 2018 Gibson was paid two million dollars the following year to act for 10 days in forces of nature force of nature and two million million more to serve as its executive producer, according to internal documents. In August 2020, Stallone's agent at Creative Artists Agency wrote an email to Emmett approving the proposed eight million dollars for four days of work Ugh. on an undisclosed project. Through their publicist, Pacino, Gibson, and Stallone declined to comment. Yeah, because they're like. <laughs> scam well I mean get it while you can I guess these actors deals included private plane travel five star hotel accommodations a trailer personal drivers assistants their choice of hair and makeup artists and on set security Robert De Niro's deal stood apart the 78 year old tax driver star demanded 11 million dollars to spend a week in Puerto Rico early last year to film Savage Salvation an Emmett-helmed film about a recovering opiate junkie seeking revenge. Fees for De Niro, who played a tough cop. Let's really stretch your acting chops, De Niro. Yeah. Ate up half of the film's budget. De Niro's deal, reviewed by the Times, also included an all-expenses-paid week-long vacation for his family at Dorado Beach Ritz-Carlton Reserve. And if De Niro wanted... EFO 
was to have the Gulf Stream for uh, Jet whisk Kim and his family off to an additional Caribbean location for an additional vacation up to two weeks. The family's expenses up to $100,000 would be paid by EFO. De Niro's publicist said the actor had no comment. De Niro's talent agency, CAA, has long embraced Emmett and Furla. Most of the top talent in EFO movies, including Willis, were represented by CAA, which declined comment. EFO made hefty payments to actors even as it struggled to meet payroll and pay crew pay for crew meals and other costs on location, according to three film crew members. Wealthy investors eager to play in the Hollywood play in Hollywood were attracted by Emmett's list of film critics and proximity to power. EFO's financiers over the years have been an eclectic mix. They included film studio Lionsgate and two London film financing groups, Ingenious Media and the FISE facility. A decade ago, investors with ties to the Russian oil industry provided tens of millions of dollars for Emmett's films. Scary! Internal records show that Emmett also turned to multimillionaires outside of the entertainment world, including Jacksonville, Florida entrepreneur Thomas M. Le- Leonard, a former Hollywood tequila bar owner slash real estate slash investor slash filmmaker, Ted Fox, grandfather, a grandson of the late billionaire founder of Conair Cor- Corporation, and actor Sergio Rizzuto, Rizzuto and until about 2015, the head of an Atlanta area healthcare staffing firm, Richard L. Jackson. <laughs> In recent years, Emmett's most generous investor has been Meadow Williams, an actress who primarily had small parts in shows like Murder, She Wrote, until she became romantically involved with the founder of Nature's Plus Vitamins, Ger- uh, Gerald Kessler. Um, for you guys, uh, Meadow Williams was one of the ones, like, main investor in that Axis Sally movie that Lala was in and she played the main role in exchange for her investment. Oh. Yeah. So this part is like getting a little boring for me like hearing all like the, yeah. the details. Uh, so do you think anyone would care if we skip to the um, the Fofty part? Um, I'll just say this part. This, the Meadow Williams. She inherited um, $800 million dollars when her 80-year-old husband, Kessler, died in 2015. And and since then, she's been investing heavily in Emmett's projects. Yeah, so she can be a movie actress because she's basically paying for the movie. Um, and it does say Al Pacino was kept complaining because her acting sucked and he kept wanting to do it over. And Emmett's like, no, we don't have the time or the money or... Yes. And Pacino was like, look, man, I'm not going for an A performance. He's like... I just don't want a D performance. You know what? I'll settle for a C or a B minus. Like, really, the bar has been lowered just to accommodate this Meadow Williams. So, yeah, we can skip ahead. Okay, I'll I'll go to... We're skipping literally just a couple sentences, guys. Another longtime business partner of Emmett's, 50 Cent, turned on him in April 2019. Emmett and Jackson's relationship went back to 2008 when the producer put the performer in the 2008 film Righteous Kill with De Niro and Pacino. 
the two formed their own production company, Cheetah Vision, and in 2014 became producers on Power. But in April 2019, Jackson announced on Instagram that Emmett had owed him $1 million and mocked his relationship with then-fiancé Kent. Money by Monday, Randall, Jackson demanded on Instagram. Emmett pleaded for Jackson's mocking post to stop, but mistakenly called him Fofty instead of 50. Jackson just posted Emmett's texts. The feud ended a few days later, and the and as a result of a settlement agreement which was reviewed by the Times, Jackson agreed to delete the negative remarks and Emmett had to post a and had to post a public apology, which also noted that Emma had paid Emmett had paid the debt. Emmett was required to stay clear of Jackson on different stars crimes drama the pair produced. BMF Black Mafia family. The agreement did permit Emmett to attend the show's red carpet premiere as long as he remained 100 feet from Jackson and refrained from joining group photos. Which, you know, killed him the most. (laughs) Through his publicist, Jackson declined to comment. Hoffmeister said Emmett would not discuss the business of matters of others. Months later, Emmett learned Vanderpump Rules cast members talked about the Fofty dust-up during the show's taping. Emmett reached out to Ron Meyer, then vice chairman of NBC Universal, which owns Vanderpump, Vanderpump Network Bravo, and begged him to squash the segment. If they mention him anywhere in this show, the antics will start again, which could destroy my career. Emmett wrote in an October 2019 email. And I'm, guess what? It worked. And in exchange for the fit, because, you know, remember we were all complaining, why aren't they talking more about the Fofty? The Fofty. You know, they didn't. And in exchange for the favor, Emmett told Meyer he would thank him for real from the Oscars stage if the Irishman won Best Picture, which it did not. Soon, Meyer's assistant sent an email saying Ron would like to get six tickets reserved for the Scorsese's film's premiere. Two were for his neighbor, and the rest were for private detective Anthony Pelicano. Emmett and Meyer declined to comment. Oh my gosh. So he, he like ruined a great moment in Vanderpump Rules history for a couple tickets to a shitty movie. I really I really wonder why he couldn't like get in like it it was great for him. We've never talked about him like that before. He literally could like merch up. Like I I don't get it. Yeah. He really missed that. Like you got to learn to laugh at yourself, Randall. So this next part is kind of about the um writers guild. It's basically like uh Randall said he had this project pump starring Arnold Schwarzenegger about his early years in Venice Beach and he had the writers like some writers like write a bunch of dialogue and scenes or whatever and Randall's like that's great I love it Um, but then never paid the writers and then the writers also found out like it was never actually a greenlit project so like insinuating like Randall lied to them that there was never really a real plan or a project that was um, but like invested in okay 
So yeah, I feel like this end part you guys can read if you want to, but there's really nothing that juicy in there. It just kind of gets. It just goes more into detail. It's just all the different lawsuits from different investors and things like that, and this back and forth stuff. Um. Yeah, and then he had to like. It's confusing because he had to. He was evicted from his Wilshire Boulevard office because he was like three years behind in rent but at the end it says he went back to his office after he put his house up for sale he needed an office so he could get directing gigs yeah so okay let's see if there's any so this is all about the Schwarzenegger project and how he didn't pay the writers guild well they did win James Vanderwood was had provided a okay wait that's just a loan I know they won you know the writers guild won and then they blackballed him too which was great we knew that yes. um, oh this is kind of funny um, so some of the writers um, that were still owed money um, one of them like camped out in Randall's building like at the door like in the lobby and like refused to leave until they brought him a check oh my so, gosh Okay, this is the part that gets so because keep in mind how often Randall's going to La Quinta that resort is so expensive it's like the Beverly Hills Hotel it's very expensive how often oh he's staying at the Ritz everywhere so for this writer's thing they were still short about $14,000 $14,000 that's like one weekend for Randall Yeah. Um, so Sullivan wrote in a group email November 22nd 2019 I'll put 7k I'll put in 7k George can put in 7k Emmett replied but Furla disagreed not my account I just wired money to pay EFO salaries so you can pay yourselves right George paid himself George paid Randall but you can't pay these writers you know or probably paycheck to paycheck so the writers had still not been fully paid um here we are sitting in the middle of the pandemic Moss one of the writers said that message that Emmett was sending was that my family and my kids didn't matter yeah during the pandemic when Randall was going to Lakita every other fucking week yes it's it's like very Erica Jane yes like they have not paid a cent said WJ West attorney Leia Azari and on Instagram you see Randall leads this lavish lifestyle flying in private jets, going to pickleball tournaments at La Quinta, and constantly staying at these lavish resorts. Yes. Very Erica Jane. Um, Just more... Oh, Emmett repaid nearly $400,000 in debt to the IRS. I really see how he and Jax get along. They've got a lot in common. They got the bro culture. They got the cocaine. They got the IRS. Okay, too long. Just more lawsuit stuff and all the millions owed to everybody. Yeah. But it, yeah, it gets a little redundant. Yeah, I, I mean, there's great detail on there if you're interested in that. Um, it's still like it's such a crazy thing. So, okay, so overall, um, I just thought it was like such a juicy article, and I, I, I wonder what. Randall is thinking right now because I feel like you, you, you know how like some people like you don't know like like maybe like publicity like this doesn't bother them we like the proof is in this art like 
Randall cares about this. He hates this. He does not like that this is out there. This is not what he wants. This is not the image he wants out there. Um, I did see on social media a lot of chatter coming up saying, you know, is Lala Erica Erica Janing in this? Like, did she know? Is she, you know, how much did she know? And I don't, I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about it, and I just—he's—he's just—he's a master, uh, Rob Peter to pay Paul, dude. There's so many. Just even reading this is confusing. She does, she does not have her head around this. There's so many different venture partners, investors, millions, lawsuits. So many of them. She would have. She, she doesn't know he's taking this money to pay that money, and that he's not. That he's getting a private jet and staying at La Quinta, but he's like trying to dodge the hotel room bill at the Beverly Hills hotel, you know? So he doesn't know that. So do you think that like that Lala helped get some of this info specifically for her custody case? I mean like it, it pretty much says that. It says they pulled a lot of this from like the documents from that. But do you think that she very much knew that this article was coming out and was encouraging this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, she hinted at it on her podcast. She's like, the truth will be revealed. You will all see in a matter of time. It's coming. She she was like, I'm just getting my ducks in order. Like, she was waiting to file for full custody because she wanted all of this together. And you can yeah. see this article took, I'm sure, a very long time. So whatever she, her part is, you know, it's like yes. everything in order. Yes. So she, I'm sure she was a, a big part of this and yeah. accessing whatever records she could. You know, maybe when she I was just, in Puerto Rico, she was like taking camera pictures of all his documents. I know? also, yeah, I also feel like um, a couple of times in the article through his rep or whatever, you know, it was like, once again, Randall is the victim of um, a smear campaign for the custody of his child. Um, and I just, I feel like the way that article is with just the mounting allegations and everything, it gets like, no, like, I, this is bigger than that. It seems way bigger than just yeah. Lala. Like, you can't, you, you can't. Uh, Lala's not going around and finding women no. that he worked with for five years that don't care about Lala. Exactly. Have never seen Vanderpump rules. They're like, can you make this up? Can you say this? Can you, like. Yeah, there's no way. No. And the fact that we heard so many of these allegations, but when Lala first started dating him and she was happy with him and defending him, so, you know. Yeah, I saw I saw a lot of comments like that, too. Like, this is the stand-up man that you, you know, represent. Like, because that, yeah. that is a big part of, you know, her dialogue in the beginning. <sighs> um, and then, you know, you just wonder how this makes everybody feel. Like, all of the Vanderpump Rules cast members, you know, like, they all are kind of associated with him and hearing all this stuff. Like, that that's, that's got to be rough. Yep. They're like, Randall's going to invest. Yeah. Like, Ooh, you better hope not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's more understandable, too, than it's more than just, you know, people aren't taking sides with Katie and Schwartz. That's totally different. It, it's a little more understandable because it's not like he, oh, he just cheated on her. Like, there's just so much more. He's just a very, very bad person like Tom Girardi there where I can see it makes more sense. She doesn't want to be associated with anyone that wants to be associated with Randall. Yes. You know? And I, I just feel like 
like um, Randall's trigger is boundaries. Like I, I really think that Amber put up the boundaries when you know they got divorced. Like she put her foot down with what he wanted, and he didn't like that. That's why he his reaction was so big with her. Lala also immediately cut it off boundaries. Like he, it's it's like getting the water thrown on him in uh, Wizard of Oz. He's like, I'm melting. <laughs> like he doesn't like being told. Like the, that, he has to stay in like a certain little box. He he yeah. doesn't like that. He is melting. Yes, down he, for sure. He is melting. Um. So, um. When I when Ronnie's show was going on, I was like on the spotlight. So I my phone was like blowing up. Did it, did it? Was it announced that Stassi just got a spinoff show, or was that a rumor? Did you see that in our group? Oh, I think that's just a rumor. I, that Up and Adam guy on his YouTube, like, um, everyone always says, oh, he just, you know, a lot of, you know, I, I, we've done it too. We just repeat what we were reading and people right. speculate. Yeah. I think it all stemmed from her getting that. Oh, that gift. It? That gift from yes. Peacock for whatever show she watches. Yes. Um, and people are like, oh, why is Peacock sending her? And oh, okay. Just, so it's, it's just a, a, an, okay. That's just an observation that he had. And they're like, well, maybe he would know. I mean, yes, he used to work at Tom Tom. Yes, he's friends with the Toms. I don't know how close, but the thing is, the Toms wouldn't know. The cast doesn't know anything. They're the, as we've seen, they're the last to know. Yeah. That the show, like, Sheena didn't even know the show was being picked up. She found out from a fan at her own show. You know? Yeah. Um, they don't know that if he has any friends still left at Tom Tom. They don't know. Like, yeah, they know some things, but they're not going to know. Look at Lisa Vanderpump didn't even know when Stassi actually had a spinoff. Yeah, she didn't know. So, yeah, no, I think it's bullshit. I think they're just trying to create buzz, and I don't think it's factual at all. But I guess if she were to, they may be testing the waters on Peacock so that you know they can control the backlash. You know, yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's true. Oh my gosh! So you guys, I have to share this DM that I got um, today. I like I literally almost died. So um, <laughs> someone wrote in and they said, "I'm pretty sure I saw your husband at Target yesterday evening. I'm not a stalker, just a huge fan of Vanderpump Rules party, and I may have followed him for a minute, hoping to see you. <laughs> LOL. Like take a oh, picture. <laughs> oh my god! So last night we, I was at rehearsal with Ronnie and. Chad had Daisy at Target and like I'm oh. like I'm like part yeah it was him for sure I'm partly like horrified because um, Chad told me that Daisy was being really naughty at the store like she was hiding <laughs> in the clothes rack and like running around so I'm like so I'm embarrassed of what this person saw but oh my gosh that is like I, I think I've just had like a moment where like Chad's like I was recognized like he <laughs> it, it's 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 a moment for sure. I listened to Ariana's podcast since I forgot existed until you brought it up that oh, day. Oh yeah. So I listened to it in the car today and um she was saying like she was trying to find a picture of herself at the Vanderpump Paris opening so she just decided to Google and up came like this these paparazzi pictures that she had no idea were ever taken and they were on like daily mail she's like who wants a picture of me just like walking down the street like like you know it's nothing exciting like i'm nobody like so she feels like that yeah (laughs) yeah it's just yeah it's crazy but you guys if anyone ever ever sees us please 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 say something like we would absolutely die like it like that message 
that message alone is just awesome unlike the cast if we are mid-bite at a really nice dinner still come up yeah (laughs) (laughs) totally and please yeah you guys i really hope that um you guys enter for the giveaway for the for t sandy's show like it'll it's gonna be so much fun come hang out we're super cool (laughs) all right yeah i'm sure you know others that we've gone to these shows with are going so we'll have our own little gang yeah for sure all right Okay, so you guys, we hope you enjoyed this late night rundown of the article. We were just so excited to share it with you and just thought it was so juicy. And, and you know, people are road tripping for July 4th. It gives you, it's it's so long to read. Yeah, so at least you long. can listen to it. Totally. I think this is like a, a nice way to, to listen. Yeah. Shout out to Amy Kaufman and Meg. James yes. of the LA Times for writing this. Great just, job. Yes, and you're welcome for the audible version of this, you guys. Yes. <laughs> Amy and Meg. <laughs> Sorry if we butchered it. Yes. Okay. Okay, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.